You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Always Aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. So this week, kind of a wide-ranging discussion, a recap with Julian Edelman and the Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Fame candidacy, the PEDs and why people don't talk about the usage of it. And then we find out who David really looks like. We'll explain. And then we get into part one of what's going to be a long series where we chronicle the worst franchises in sports. And you can find out what the four pillars of futility are. Edition one, one of the worst franchises in sports, the New York Knicks. All coming up next on Always Aggravated. All right, so mercifully, the Super Bowl's over, and uh, we are not going to bore you by saying the game was total shit, which it was. Uh, All those takes have been beaten to death. I have something a little bit different, and obviously the guys are with me here, and it's it's just this Julian Edelman thing fascinates me. Edelman was amazing uh, during the Super Bowl. We all know that, MVP, yada, yada, yada. But it was in the postgame where Edelman got this Hall of Fame vote. And I think it was Nate Burleson who, who said it. He's a Hall of Famer and he's in. And that's fine, except, wait a minute, Julian Edelman missed the first four games of the year on a PED suspension. And it makes you think as a sports fan, I sat there and I said, okay, I can have a debate about Edelman being a Hall of Famer, which full disclosure, I, I, I would put him in. Uh, and I can explain why. We'll get to it. But, but the, the, the other relevant part, I see David shaking his head. We'll get into that. The other relevant part is how do you separate Edelman from his PED suspension? Yet, you know, I'm a lifetime baseball fan, and I, the best baseball player I've ever seen is Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds won't sniff the Hall of Fame, and there's never a mention of his name without PEDs next to it. And it's that difference of why is somehow that not the case in football? Are our expectations different? If so, why? And then, yes, we can have this debate from angry Steeler fan to my right. I think Edelman's a Hall of Famer, and I'll give you a reason why. So where do you guys want to start with this? Because, I, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. When you watched it and you heard the Hall of Fame deal, did you even think PED? Any, anything? No. Well, Roberto was in a finger food coma, so I'll say <laughs> no to that. You didn't think PED? No, I just immediately start, started evaluating whether I thought he should be in or not. David, did think you that. think PED? I did not think PED. Interesting. All right. Maybe I'm just a cynical bastard. So why don't we do this? Start with the Hall of Fame thing. Let's get it out of the way. And then I'm going to drag you into the PED world. Roberto, did you even know who Julian Edelman was? (laughs) Or PED. No, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking. Roberto thinks it's dick pills. (laughs) (laughs) Now, all right. Hall of Fame. Here's what I would say. I'll put my case out there. I'll let everybody attack it. I think Julian Edelman helped, along with Wes Welker, create a new position in the NFL. That absolute specialist, slot receiver guy. And I think Edelman's better than Wes Welker. I think Edelman is unreal. And if if the Hall of Fame right now drafted a team 
And in today's format, we had to have three wide receivers, right? We had to have a slot receiver. Mm -hmm. None of those old school guys would really fit the bill the way Edelman does. You're right. Edelman is so unique that I value what he's brought to the table, and I would make him a Hall of Famer. Now, that is knowing the PED stuff, and, I, and I've said this. Like, look, we're at a point now with Bonds and Clemens and McGuire. Put them all in. Bonds is a Hall of Famer before he ever did PEDs. I'm fine with it. But if you're going to go against him, what is your argument? Is it stat-based? Well, mine is stat-based. but right, I also, Let me hear it. I also think that Wes Welker was the beginning of that type of receiver. So I can't give Julian Edelman the credit for being that type of receiver or the first type of that receiver. Oh, I thought he took it to wasn't. another level. Yeah, that's true. But Wes Welker, I think, was him before Julian Edelman was there ever in the league. But, yeah, stats-wise, he is 248th in passing re- yards. I'm sorry, that's behind Lynn Swan, who was a Hall of Fam- who is a Hall of Famer. Oh, that's already behind Odell Beckham. <laughs> Odell Beckham's only been in the league for four years I can't put Julian Edelman in the Hall of Fame. I just don't see him. Postseason-wise, sure. Which is when it matters. He's his second leading receiver ever in postseason. I, exactly. I, I get you. I get you. But you don't just get into the Hall of Fame for what you just do in the postseason. That's when it matters, man. Well, then T.O. should have been in there. Well, that's okay. No time disagreement. Out. He should have been first Hold ballot. On, time out. There's not a human being alive that would argue that T.O. shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He should the writers mm-hmm. in the media are being punitive. I think the league is being punitive. Mm-hmm. No one. Let's not use a false argument to begin that debate because you know I agree with you. Mm-hmm. T.O. is one of the 10 best receivers in the history of the game. He was fabulous. Well, I just think that you can't just put a guy in just because of postseason numbers. But see, I don't, I don't think it's just postseason. I don't. I mean, I, I look at Edelman, and, and he is a guy who year in, year out— he is that safety blanket for the greatest quarterback in the history of, of the sport. He really is. And how hard is it to walk into Wes Welker's shoes and then fill him in, in my, in my opinion, frankly, be better? Mm-hmm. Uh, of course he's better. Right. So my point is, look, I – see, here's the other problem. I also relate it to if there was ever a candidate to do PEDs, it would be Edelman. Mm-hmm. Everyone associates Barry Bonds and the stars with doing PEDs. You right. know the guy who's got the motivation to do the PEDs? A seventh-round pick out of Kent State who was yes. a quarterback who didn't get an invite to the Combine, who switched positions, yes. and who had to really bust his ass to even just fight for a career. Because he's under the radar at that point. Right. 31, 32 years old. You have right. a catastrophic knee injury. Got to get back. New England will show no loyalty to anybody. Right. See, that's the recipe for a guy who uses PEDs. But I still, I I guess for me, there's something psychologically where I'm not holding it against the baseball guys. I've gotten past it. Football, I don't hold it against any of them. And I know my reason, but I want to know yours. You didn't think about PEDs the night of the Super Bowl. Sure didn't. So tell me now, now that we factor that in, does it even become part of your conversation personally for his candidacy for the Hall of Fame. No, I just care about what you do on the field, really. That's all that matters to me. All that extra stuff, that the the failing a test, uh, you know, that off the field stuff. I really just pay attention to what you do on the field when it comes to Hall of Fame voting, whether you should be in or not. That's all I care about. I didn't think of PEDs because it just I don't care. But yet baseball you do. I don't actually. I don't care about PDs, period. Are you like me? Bonds should be in? in. In Major League Baseball, there are so many errors where you can say either they did PDs or they did other things. Look at look at in the 50s and the 60s, yes. guys abusing amphetamines, greenies, or whatever you wanted to call yes. them. Yes. There's always been something. And yet they're ignored and they're voted in. 
all the time. Well, so don't get me started. No... Don't get me started about the whole pre-segregation, you know, pre-civil yeah. rights movement, and some of the best ball players in the world couldn't play in the major leagues and mm-hmm. all that. Don't even. The whole thing's flawed from start to finish. But for me, here's my reason. You tell me if this is wrong. That somehow, a the nation's love affair has shifted from baseball to football. Mm-hmm. But b Americans, in order to somehow not tolerate, but in order to mentally accept and mentally empower the violence of the sport, there almost has to be a give back. Like, think about this. Americans have ignored concussions. They've ignored CTE. Mm -hmm. They've ignored the gruesome injuries. They've ignored that the average NFL player as taking at least 10 years off their life. It's turned into this gladiatorial approach. Baseball, we don't view in those terms. It's a nonviolent, good old boy sport. Mm, good old boy. Well, I'm just saying, football, football is about violence. Mm-hmm. And we secretly, and maybe not so secretly, we want the violence. Oh, right? For we, sure. we want it. Fans have already said, we don't care. Oh, yeah. Your problem, CTE. Oh, Junior Seau killed himself. Not my problem. I want more violence. Okay. That's what fans have said. Mm-hmm. Is the violence the reason that not only do we tolerate a PED guy going to the hall, and he probably will, but we have people on national TV advocating for him? Yet, think about like Peter Gammons on national TV. He's probably 107 by now. Yeah, publicly ripping yeah, and go, destroying. Yeah. Oh, Barry Bonds should go to the hall. Without a mention of PEDs. Is yeah. the violence the separator? It is the separator. You all remember the Super Bowl. You all remember the Patrick Chung hit. That was the biggest cheer in my Super Bowl party because of the violence of that hit. They enjoyed it. Yes, they knew he was hurt after a while. They said, okay, he's not getting up. But that's what they enjoy. That's what people enjoy about football. The violence. The kickoff returns when everybody's flying at the kick returner. That is what you love about football. Look at what the Houston Texans just did. You remember Brian Cushing, who failed multiple tests? They just hired him as the strength and conditioning coach. What does he know other than taking PEDs of strength and conditioning? The NFL turns a blind eye to it. They don't care. Yeah, sure, if you if you are a big-time player and you test positive, yeah, they don't want that. They'll suspend you like they did Edelman for four games. They don't overall care. He's a strength and conditioning coach. The NFL should not allow that. He failed multiple tests. They don't care. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness. And as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D, go to that chalet upstairs, and ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's a damn good time there's really no other way to put it and again the d has everything you need you're not going to spend a ton of money on the room take that money and go do fun things with it do what sully does make a bunch of losing basketball bets or well or for sully fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino the bottom line the d's got it all they got the sports book they got the long bar they got it all check it out the d.com to book your stay today it's the d.com the d las vegas and as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. 
You know what's interesting too, David? You know, we, we bring up the the regular season and postseason. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's where I'm just guilty. Is Edelman is so money in the postseason, but when you do look at the regular season stats, take the PEDs aside. Yeah. How many thousand yard seasons does Julian Edelman have? I think he only has one. Two. Hmm. He would have had three, but he only played twelve games this year. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. Here's games played for Edelman. Not even just started, but games. 11, 15, mm-hmm. 13, 9, 16, 14, 9, 16, and then 12 this year after a PED suspension. And then he has zero because he didn't play last year because he because it was yes. injury in preseason. Yes, exactly. Wow. You gotta skip all of 17. Right. I mean, catches, he's got one year with a hundred grabs. Uh, he's got three years. Over 90. You got to factor in the postseason numbers. He could probably get to four years. Yes. It is interesting, though, because when you have a Super Bowl MVP who is a guy who has been, look, unique, productive over a, call it, five to seven-year span, he's on that borderline, but maybe the recency bias of it is part of it. I just view him as such a big-time money player for such a big-time money quarterback, and he's Taking it to a different place, I kind of just—I I don't know—I have a hard time keeping him out. Yeah, well, but the thing is, the thing is too. He's this isn't just a uh, this isn't a Robert Ory situation, right? Oh where my you're, god, where you're where you're on a good team and you win a lot of championships. It, it, this isn't just some role player. This is a guy that's one of the most productive guys on the Patriots and a main reason why they've been able to win these Super Bowls. And you know what? If if he hadn't dropped that pass a few years ago in the Super Bowl, they probably would have won another one. So he's such a key contributor to them. It's not like, oh, he just happens to be on the team and win a bunch of Super Bowls. It's more than that. <laughs> he's not Robert Parrish at the end, just at, sitting on, at the end now. of the bench grabbing Dude, championships. Don't, don't. Leave the Chief out of this. No, I'm but, already going through a hard time as a Celtics <laughs> fan right now. I don't need your shit. I got Kyrie trying to blow up my franchise. You leave the you leave Robert Parrish alone. But here has always yeah. been my— You're still Maddie Slug Bill Lambeer. Well, of course I am. Leave the Chief alone. Here has been my litmus test when it comes to Hall You know who Robert Parrish is, Roberto? Of course. Oh, I'm just making sure. Wow. Come on. By the way, where Robert—you you want, you want a cool one? Where'd Robert Parrish go to college? That I don't know. Oh, I'm going to give it to you in a second. David, you know this? I don't know. You ready? Might be the only dude in history went to Centenary. Centenary? That's right. Didn't even know they had a basketball team. Oh, yeah. Look up Centenary. Somewhere down in Louisiana. The nickname for the school? The Gentleman. Oh. The Centenary Gents. You know, that's perfect for Robert Parrish. To be a gentleman. I watched Robert (laughs) Parrish as a kid. I was scared bleepless of him. Looked like he was going to kill somebody. Well, he towards that, the end, he was a gentleman. He had that stoic look on his face. Yeah. Like, he was about to murder you. Yeah, he is, did. Is he still alive? Robert Parrish? Yeah, he's still alive. How dare you? What? He's still alive. Oh, yes. okay. I'm looking him up on Wikipedia right now. I'd love to see what he looks like. Now, I tell you, you know oh, what? He was old then. Robert Parrish. Yeah, he almost, like he was 50 when he, when he was playing. Yeah, he, he was like 60 <laughs> then. It's almost like what they're doing in True Detective right now, where they're aging the characters and doing the flashbacks uh-huh. and the fast forwards. <laughs> It's, honestly, like I would love to see, like Robert Parrish belongs in True Detective right now, like as another <laughs> detective. Like look at him. Look at Roberto right now showing me a black and white photo. Can we talk about this for a minute? What was he twenty one? No, David, come over here. Look at this double breasted suit be from the mid to late seventies. He's about a foot and a half taller than the guy next to him. He looks like he's forty five. He's probably twenty five in that picture. And now, give me Robert Parrish now. Show me. I mean, he has got to look like an old <laughs> version of the of the detective. Oh my God! <laughs> Robert Parrish looks hundred and six. Oh my like the same guy, God! Man. It's I, I'm speechless. 
I mean, how did I, we how did we even arrive here? This is what's good about the podcast. How relate, the hell did we go from Julian Edelman PD to Robert, to Robert Parrish, Parrish? Because Mike and I are the same age, but people think like I'm old enough to be Mike's father. So but, but you have <laughs> I think the difference is you have kids and I don't. I think they this age you. Oh yeah. I, I'm doubling the years. And then look, David's excuse is he's just not around his family. He's all about gallivanting <laughs> around town. <laughs> he's getting old. David is not getting, getting old. old. David is aged old. way better. I've been you. old since I was 15, so. <laughs> no, hold on. Uh, David's clean. David, David, how many years younger are you than Roberto? I think just five, five? right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you know what? Maybe you're right, because a lot of the aging does happen in your mid-30s. Oh, I man. want. Hold on a second. What if in five years, if we're all still working together, we look back and David is Robert Parrish. <laughs> All gray. David's the chief. He's showing up to work with just this stoic, bitter look on his face. Like, why won't Larry pass me the ball? Dude, this is... David, it's funny. I thought I did that now. Uh, no, only sometimes. I actually wonder. Uh, for reference, David, you know what? I'm giving you too much credit. I thought you were a couple years older. Your aging process is about to hit. I act like I'm 50. This is, is going to be David. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Grady from Sanford. Oh, my God. (laughs) David, if you wouldn't mind, could you grow out a a scraggly beard for everybody? Grady. My God. Is it a gray beard? I I don't even know if it matters anymore about Edelman making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, David's future right there. (laughs) No, the comparisons that David gets, actually, is Kevin Durant. I do get that a lot. There's an element of it if Durant were 5'8 and had no basketball ability. Yes. I just want to be 6'8". Six, 6'8". Six, 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 I don't even need the seven, seven feet. feet. How, by the way, how did we arrive at this? How did Robert Parrish come about when we're talking about Edelman Robert Ory, guys and, and then David mentioned Robert Parrish. Oh, and then uh-huh. David's pithy remark. Yes. About, you know I'm sensitive to the Celtics <laughs> stuff right now. All right, so go around the room now. You're, you, just so we can bring this full circle and then move on to the other things I have swirling in my mind. Michael Edelman Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. He deserves it. Yes, and it's PEDs factor or no factor? I don't think it's any factor. And to be completely honest with you, another reason I don't think it resonates with people is Edelman is, a, is an undersized white wide receiver. This isn't a Mark McGuire or Barry Bonds towering over home plate looking like they're all jacked up. This is an undersized white wide receiver. People don't even think about it because of, because of who he is. Right, He's the me, underdog story. You've just kind of open something up here and I mm-hmm. think it's worth asking now. Yep. Okay, I'm not Believe trying it. I'm not trying to start a forest fire. Okay, what role does race play in it then? Are you claiming that because he's a white uh, underdog story and somehow, undersized, yes. Right. Versus uh Barry Bonds. Mm-hmm. Are, are, is that but see here's a problem. I mean Roger Clemens last I checked is white. People well, vilified right. the hell out of him. That's, that's why I Piazza. say undersized too, because you look at Mark McGuire, like I said, just towering over home plate. It, he's not he doesn't have the appearance Edelman's story belongs in a movie. Yeah. Undersized, scrappy quarterback, lousy school, no offense to Kent State grads, right. lousy football program, no invite to the combine, right. switches positions, starts out as a special teamer, and here's the other thing. This is a guy who's battled injuries his whole career. He blows out his knee, returns after the PED suspension to be better than ever, raised eyebrows. Mike, is that maybe it's the total package? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's I think what's it all working factors for it a him. Little bit. Yep. Do you ever think about this, though, too, guys? Like, certain people we make excuses for in sports and why we do it. Like, it's yeah. not even the debate of do we, like, do we make excuses for I, LeBron James? 
Okay, and I'm not trying to get sent. You know, Mike's going to get sensitive because he's LeBron's <laughs> ultimate fan. But like, look, I can say LeBron's the greatest player I've ever seen. That's yes. fine. I'm, I'm not here to argue that. I, it's not even worth it anymore. But I can still find a lot of his behavior laughable. Yeah, I think this country makes a this sporting country makes a lot of excuses for LeBron. Like what he's doing right now is laughable, mm-hmm. bro. You signed with the Lakers. You knew that AD wasn't going to be available. Like, how much of a boner do you have that you've got Rich Paul? executing this game plan and it's like dude we are making lebron was sipping wine on the bench the other day i mean it's just <laughs> the guy showed up in a tuxedo with short pants like what think of the excuses we're making from what other player could get away with this that we would right. tolerate it much less empower it right What's, it, what's next? He's going to be eating, like, filet mignon on the Well, party. you're right. You know what? I'm actually waiting for the night. Oh, oh, by the way, LeBron misses, like, a month. Comes back, plays one game. Load management. Load management. Oh, my. And I'm like, what do you mean load management? You you were gone for a month. You he, played one game. You missed 20 games. What do you need? Well, here's the best part. I feel like it's more plausible than not that at some point LeBron will take another game off this spring for load management, yep. and they're going to pan over to him, and he's going to be eating a shrimp cocktail. <laughs> like he's going to be sitting there with the five large shrimp, <laughs> scooping away. The waitress oh. is coming over, bringing him more food. Have a butler. Cocktail sauce on Luke Walton's suit. <laughs> it's just, look at what he's allowed to get away with. Yes, for sure. I, I And I can still say he's a fabulous player. I don't think he's the best player in the sport any longer, but he's still top five. There's no shame in that. Yes, I would take Giannis over him. Yes, I would take AD over him. I don't want to start a fist fight, Sully. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, why do we do this with certain guys? What is it about LeBron? For instance, if we say that Edelman, it's just the story. Mm-hmm. It's just, ooh, he's an underdog, and like mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg's going to play him in a movie. Mm-hmm. What is it about LeBron? What What is it? Just the greatness that buys him? This empowerment to the behavior, the acceptance to the behavior? Yeah, and I think the discussion, that the all-time element of it, it's always going to be such a polarizing thing one way or the other. Always. David, what role? I mean, go ahead. I've never really thought about it until you just brought it up. That means it's a real sexy question, isn't it? It is. I just, I guess the greater you are, I just allow the more The more bullshit you'll tolerate. The more uh, rope I'll give you. I just, whatever. I guess that's what it is. Any, and Sully's intimation about race there, you want to touch on that? You're welcome to. I'm not going to engage in some holy war here, but I'll give you an opportunity. Now, I'm not going to say I personally don't have that mindset when it comes to Edelman and when it comes to certain players, but it happens. Mm-hmm. It definitely happens in the sporting world. In the NFL, I guarantee you a lot of people are not going to vote for him in the Hall of Fame because of that. They just will. They just will in- have that impact their decision. Now, me, I just look at where you one of the f- best at your position when sure. you play. I don't think he was. Not I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. See, I lied. Now I am going to jump into this. I've always <laughs> been fascinated by race because mm-hmm. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm a weirdo because it just never mattered to me. Like, are you a dick to me or are you nice? That's really my grading scale. Mm -hmm. I don't care about your race. I don't care what you take to bed. I don't care what you pray to. It really doesn't matter to me. Are you a dick or are you not? Mm -hmm. But you want to know where race matters right now, and I can feel it? When you get the enraged, you know, 50-plus white guy who calls into the show— hammering away at yep. these players 
these guys. I don't, oh, <laughs> who's LeBron to demand a trade? Mm-hmm. Huh, I don't like the NBA and this player movement. And you're like, look, why don't you just come out and say it? Yep. You don't like young, affluent black men flipping the script on old, affluent white men. Yep. <laughs> you don't like black players having all the control in this world right now. Mm-hmm. You hate it. Now, they won't say anything when Porzingis does it. Of That's course. just a good Latvian boy. Yeah. But you can feel you can feel the undertone. You're right. With the discussion as it centers around the NBA, because in the NFL, remember something. There is still the owners own. And the collective mm-hmm. bargaining agreement allows them the power to own their assets. Players are still viewed as assets. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, they are assets that are empowered. Yep. Because now in the NBA, players have taken the power. I will only play for X. I am exercising this. I will I will play yep. on that restricted tag. Look look at look at how it works. It, think about why people hate it. I truly believe that's at the core of it. Our country is still sick. Our country still ha- it, it, it racism's alive and mm-hmm. well. We've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. Now, that portion I think it's much more interesting to talk about the role that race plays. Mm -hmm. I feel it as a host. I'm an NBA fan, and I'm a radio host. I feel it when callers call in. Oh, yeah. And you know what they want to say, but they won't do it. Maybe they don't even know it. Well, remember all the Kawhi Leonard stuff? I mean, it was at the the forefront of everything. Who is this man to declare? I'm like, this man? He's the best two-way player in the sport, basically. (laughs) The the texts that come in, too, are, like, just crazy. I I, I mean, I can't even get into that. Well, no, and and, and I I guess what what I would say is for people that are familiar with our radio show you know we have edited some of those texts to share them mm-hmm. with you to show you how grotesque your fellow uh, human being can be if you're not familiar with the show i can't help you just trust me think of the worst racist language you could ever get and anytime we bring up the nba and a lebron trade or a kd trade a free agency like the deadline um you know this week even time of recording here is tuesday afternoon oh believe me the, the the race plays a role in it. Oh, yeah. I firmly believe that. Look on social media. It's all over well, there. When that's why I left uh, yeah. five years ago. It happened. Almost six. When the NBA discussion comes up on social media, right away, almost the first comment is a racial comment. It's grotesque. See, that, I think it plays a huge role. Yeah. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry about that. All right. Let's have some fun. I've got something uh, I want to get to. Hey, guys. It's Sully here, and I want to take a minute to talk to you about our good friends, over at Copper Craft Distillery. So Holland, Michigan, west side of the state, and if you haven't checked them out yet, you owe it to yourself to at least go check them out. Whether your drink of choice is bourbon, whether it's whiskey, whether it's gin, like Wojo, whether it's vodka, whatever it is, they have it all, and they have a lot of great products for you to try. I've tried pretty much all their products. I've been out there to Holland, and they do a really, really nice job, and they've been winning all sorts of awards. They've won awards for their distillery. They've won awards especially for their bourbon, and they're in all sorts of liquor stores, all sorts of local restaurants. They're also all over social media, so go to their website, coppercraftdistillery.com, and yes, you can find them on Twitter, you can find them on Instagram, you can find them on Facebook. I actually got a tweet the other day from someone here at a local bar. They tweeted me a photo of Coppercraft sitting at the bar, and they had to give it a try, and they really, really enjoyed it. So give Coppercraft a try. One more time, their website, that's coppercraftdistillery.com. Holland, Michigan, check them out. Whatever your drink of choice is, they got it. Coppercraft Distillery. So one of the things I, I, want, I want to do, nothing, for those of you that know our show, nothing pisses me off more than lousy franchises. Like, I can't, 
I can't stand them. I hate futility. I hate stupid people who are rich. So I, I came up with this idea of a series, just like we did the mailbag. We did volume one, volume two. I'm going to come up with a series, and I'm going to chronicle what I deem to be the worst franchises in sports. Now, remember, things can change. They can change in a hurry. But right here, right now, as we start out 2019, I am just going off of where they are now and where they've been. And I have four categories I would like to lay out for you guys, and, and, and some of them aren't so eloquent, but let's just get into it. Um, the four pillars of futility is what I have called them. One, the owner shithead index. Is your owner a shithead? Uh, does he embarrass your team? Does he embarrass himself? Does he make reprehensible decisions on and off the field of play? Uh, so it's the owner shithead index, the OSI. On-field futility. All right, so we got to just talk about the games. Uh, off-field embarrassment quotient. What does your team do off the field mm. that embarrasses them maybe as much or more than the shit they do on the field? And then the last category, and some franchises, despite futility, have good fans, some don't. It, it, it's, are your fans assholes? Really, that's what it boils down to. Some people root for bad teams but defend bad team. That makes you an asshole. So it's the four pillars of futility. So today is volume one of this series, and I thought it only appropriate. They've been in the news. They are one of my worst franchises in sports. I would like to offer you volume one, the New York Knicks. That's right. The Knicks have managed to do something that is unthinkable. They have rendered playing in New York City, the greatest city in the world, they have rendered playing in New York and playing at the Mecca. Think about an arena that is referred to as the Mecca, the center of the basketball universe, MSG, Madison Square Garden. They have rendered those two things useless to where when they've had cap space, nobody would take it. They have managed to take the two biggest advantages any team has. Like, hey, Miami's got, you can come to South Beach, Collins Avenue, but no one's saying, damn, I want to play for American Airlines Arena. Okay. Hey, the Lakers come to La La Land. You know, you can you can work for Magic Johnson, but no one's saying, "Oh yeah, bro, I want to play at Staples, the storied history." New York and MSG and the Knicks have totally screwed that up. So let's get into the the four pillars of futility, and let's start with my favorite one, the owner shithead index. That's right, James Dolan. Now I have often said. I think James Dolan is one of the five or six worst owners in all of sports. And you know what you're going to see. You'll have people come out and say, well, he wants to win badly. He's loyal. He spends money, but he just doesn't know how. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not how this is going to work on our series. James Dolan on a shithead index rates really high. Want me to help you? Okay. Let's get into some of the James Dolan highlights. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Well, for one... He's a spoiled brat and a rich kid because his father, Chuck, started Cablevision. Now, he's done a good job with the business, but he was born on third base, so I have no respect for it. Uh, two, he fronts an embarrassing blues band called J.D. and the Straight Shots. There's also a video, if you haven't seen it, it's bad. oh, it's unbelievable, of him on stage playing a kazoo in front of a horrified Amare Stoudemire. It's a YouTube classic. I encourage it. Automatically, you'd end up there if, for that video. Can I read you something really quick? Yes, the please. J.D. and the Straight Shot Wikipedia that because of his corporate status, you know, running uh, Madison Square Garden Company and his business relationship with uh, entertainment executive Irving Azoff, 
Dolan has been able to leverage his ban onto shows by the Eagles, Allman Brothers, ZZ Top, <laughs> the Dixie Chicks, and many more. And yet, his albums sell like in that movie This Is 40, when he's running the, the record label, <laughs> Paul Rudd's running a record label, and he sold like 500 copies. That yeah. JD and the Straight Shot sells like 500 copies. He's, it says, uh, Atten- attendance by Madison Square Garden staff employees is expected and noted when the band plays at New York clubs. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> that is, see, see, that is insulting. I know people in the music industry that have to work themselves up to get right. on that type of billing. And he's oh, sitting no. here because he is who he is. But it never works. Put no me on the Eagles. Able to do that. No. Ugh. Now, James Dolan, his go-to insult is to call the person criticizing him a drunk. Oh, that's right. Nice from a guy who had his own substance abuse issues. But whatever. Uh, so, like, here's an example. He had a season ticket. It was 2015. A 72-year-old season ticket holder wrote him an email criticizing the handling of the team. He used it on him and basically told him, you're drunk, go to bed. Uh, it's just awful. Uh, you have the Charles Oakley situation. Yeah. You throw out a legend. Now, look, Charles Oakley, I'm not telling you he's greatest basketball ever. I'll tell you he's one of the people I'm most afraid of in this life, both <laughs> as a player and as just a human being. He throws Oak out of the garden, mm-hmm. claims he did nothing wrong. You had the sexual harassment disaster under Isaiah Thomas, where Dolan, Dolan didn't apologize. Dolan didn't come out and say, hey, we need to fix this stuff. He basically said that the woman... Uh, Brown, uh, her last, what was it? Brown Sanders. Brown Sanders, yeah. She she created it all. Mm-hmm. She's a lot, you know, it was unbelievable. She, you know, and then he ends up settling for 11 million. To this day, he won't apologize. To this day, he just says, ah, you know, we got to handle it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should have defended ourselves differently. This guy is absolutely the worst. The worst. James Dolan to me, bar none. One of the worst owners. If there's a shithead index for owners, and it's a scale of 1 to 10, I'm putting Dolan at 10. I will offer you... No, I'm serious. I will offer you the ability to talk me down off of 10. He's awful. Under his stewardship the last 20 years. 20 years! I think the Knicks have one series win in 17. They've completely toxic... It's just toxicity everywhere. Dolan, to me, is where bad ownership begins. So talk me down off 10. Go. I'm not going to talk you down. I was going to talk you up to 13. <laughs> because the guy, not not only did he, with the sexual harassment situation, Isaiah Thomas was involved with that one. Um, he also then rehired Isaiah Thomas, I believe, in 2015. Was it to run the Liberty or whatever? To run the Liberty. And he did that because he wanted to bring publicity to the franchise that was struggling at the time. Right. I'm so sorry. Hi, hire is, a guy who helped cost you $11 million right. in a settlement. This is the WNBA. It's a sexual harassment claim that he was involved with. You cannot hire, rehire this guy. All right, so I'm putting Dolan at a 10. Sully? Yeah, what's crazy to me is that you hear about the Charles Oakley stuff. You hear about kind of the, the public issues he has. But when you actually dive into the numbers just of how bad the organization's been, from a win-loss perspective, from a hiring, signing perspective, it gets even even worse, you could argue. Ten? 
Yeah. I mean, I don't want to throw tens around lightly here. No, he'd be the he'd be the one to use as an example. If you <laughs> like, I think when you look up shithead owner index and you go into the dictionary, not that that would ever be in there, you'd see a picture of Dolan. Mm -hmm. You'd see a picture of Dolan throwing Charles Oakley out of an arena. Yeah. All right, so that's a 10. The next pillar of futility is the on-field slash court slash ice futility. The New York Knicks have been a, an entity for 72 years. They have two championships. Two. Now, even worse, okay, even worse, they have an under 500 record in their existence, a 487 winning percentage. Wow. You are in New York. That is basketball. That is one of the centerpieces of sure. basketball on this planet. You are the Knicks. You are in New York. You play at Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. Under 500. In a league dominated by major markets, outside of the Spurs, dominated by major markets, under 500. I almost think this team's position in the city they play, in the arena they possess, to be under 500 is even more offensive. Now, they have won titles. They have, I think, 40, 41 or 42 playoff appearances in 72 years. But the problem, major, how, how, how about this? In the NBA, making the playoffs doesn't really matter to me. Right. It's are you a threat once you get there. The Knicks in their lifetime, if we look at the early 70s, mm -hmm. okay, you had, a, a let's say, a four- to five-year block there. The next time they were good was the 10 minutes where Bernard King's knees were held together mm -hmm. before he got hurt, early, you know, mid-80s, right? They cratered out in between. Mm -hmm. Then the 90s happened. Now, the 90s... <laughs> Well, it's it's a lot like what goes on here in Detroit. People build up the 04 Pistons. Now, the Pistons got it done. The Knicks didn't. Yes. Knicks had to run into Jordan. Pistons didn't. The point is, the Pistons team in 04 embodied the city. Toughness, grit, and grind. You know, th this is who we are. This is These are the bad boys. The Knicks teams in the 90s, it was not much different. I mm -hmm. mean, they played a very physical, nasty style, and they repped the city. You know, I mean, look, any big city like New York or, or Chicago or Detroit, you know, the cold weather, tough minded cities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people identified with it. But how good were those Nick teams? Well, they never got it done. It took Jordan getting out of the way for them to get to the finals. Yes. They managed to choke that away, even though nobody really saw game six, I believe, because OJ was driving down in his Bronco. Yeah. But it, they didn't get it done. Now, after that, how many Nick teams have been good? I mean, the 99 team in the lockout season goes to the finals and loses. After that, I think they had one good year in 06. They've had 20 years of nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And they've embarrassed themselves on and off the floor. Now, here's my thing. You can't say a team that has 42 playoff appearances in 72 years is a 10. Not fair. <laughs> okay? So knock them down to a 9 or an 8. They also have two championships, which, right. let's face it, yes. they have done it. That's so you something. Knock them down a peg or two. I was going to settle in for the on-court futility because of New York and because of Madison Square, Madison Square Garden. I was going to put them at a 7. Talk me off of that. Winter's here, and that means energy bills are rising. You can reduce your power bill with help from Power Home Solar, the number one residential solar provider in Michigan and one of the top solar installation companies in the entire USA. Power Homes installs American-made panels with a 30-year warranty. It allows you to own your power, not just continually rent it from a power company. As an official partner of the Detroit Lions, the company installed solar panels at Ford Field, 
and the Allen Park facility earlier this year and seeks to continue building a movement towards cleaner, greener energy by seeing if solar is right for your home. Go to powerhome.com. That's powerhome.com. Or you can give them a call, 1-800-SOLAR-15. That's 1-800-SOLAR-15 to schedule your free solar consultation today. Don't rent your power. Own it with help from Powerhome. 10 is the worst, you're saying? Yes. Right, so I would even maybe go to an 8, just because, as we talked about, New York is is the the, the mecca, the king of basketball in this country. The fact that they only have two titles is a little, I I think it's more than just a little underwhelming. And they've only played for the championship a handful of times in 72 years. And frankly, Mike, the 90s teams, they didn't get to the finals. When they did, they choked it away. Pat Riley team. Right. So to me... When is the last time the Knicks were consistently a title contender? Mike, it's been 45 well, and that's, years. That's why recency bias, I, I have some of that as well, because the past, as we mentioned, 17 years, one playoff series win, that, that does factor into it. Where, where, you in know, a day and age where players lately? should want to play in New York, we saw LeBron take his talents to South Beach. Yep. We see AD trying to go to L.A. Yep. We see Durant go to San Francisco slash Oakland. All right. David, what if I offered you 7.5? Can't do it. Can't do it because there's only a handful of teams that have ever won a championship in the NBA. And they are one of them. Mm -hmm. Back down to seven? I have to go five. Whoa! Because of the championships. I'm sorry. But hold on. The championships are almost 50 years ago. I understand that. It's not even relevant. There's not too many other teams that have championships in the league. We all know this. Boston, L.A., Detroit. Portland, you know, those San Antonio, Washington got one, and they have two. The NBA is the heaviest free agent league in sports. It didn't used to be. It's it's the heaviest free agent league in sports. There's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to acquire more talent in their Manhattan. Sully wants an eight. You want a five. Five. That would put us at a six and a half. (laughs) My initial was seven. Do you want to go six and a half on this? I still think seven's more appropriate. I think five is you're letting them way off the hook for what Championships. they did. Championships. But it would, I mean, come on, what is Red Holtzman walking through see, that door? See, here's the thing Portland only has one, but because New York has two, I have to value having two. I really do. So I'm putting them at a five. I'm sorry. I'm just, so six and a half, yes, yeah, sure. My official score, I mean, Mike, where would you be at a six and a half? I mean, we can agree to disagree, and I think David's being way too generous. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're a little too harsh. David's a little too generous. I would be, I would stick to a seven. But in light of David's commentary about valuing championships and knowing this is a series we're going to be doing, there will be plenty of teams who haven't won, or if they've had, it's it's been in disgraceful scenarios. Uh, it's even worse. They've been around since what 1937 or however long it's been, and only won two. Even it should even be more telling. Than a team that was that's been around for thirty years and, and hasn't won. All one. right, take it easy. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'll go with the seven. Let's go off court embarrassment quotient. All right, for one, things like the Oakley situation, off court embarrassment, the sexual harassment disgrace, mm-hmm. off court embarrassment, uh, your owner threatening to fire a security guard and saying the "Do you know who I am?" line, which mm-hmm. is how Roberto approaches a lot of East Side restaurants. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the off-court embarrassment for the Knicks is something that is definitely the last 20 years, which is the Mm -hmm. Dolan stewardship. I don't remember a lot of on-court embarrassment. Excuse me, the on-court embarrassment was one thing, but off-court, 
No, I don't remember a lot of that. I mean, Bernard King blowing his knee out, that's not off-court embarrassment. Right. I think the last 20 years, the Knicks have been a parody. I mean, Steph Marbury trade, Phil Jackson falling asleep on the bus. Car- How about this? Off-court embarrassment. They trade for Carmelo, even though they know Carmelo's coming that summer. <laughs> right. I mean, the things they have managed to do. Like Phil Jackson drafting Frank Nilakina on his way out the door. Well, why would you allow him to draft mm-hmm. Nilakina? That's off-court stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the Knicks are a solid seven of off-court embarrassment. I can agree with that. Is that, is that a agree standard? That Mike? I mean, I know other franchises that will be a part of our series that are higher than this. Yes. So I'm trying to That's find why. the Knicks a home. The Knicks are worse than some in off-field embarrassment, better than others. That's why I would go. I would. I would go a little less than you. I would six say and maybe, a half? maybe five or six. Just, can't and, and, can't but, go five. But it's mm. and, and I say that simply because right or wrong, I think we've seen worse in terms of embarrassing things. I think we've seen Donald Sterling. We've seen and a, food a, and clothes <laughs> and cars. We've seen a ridiculous Dan Gilbert Mid- letter. Magic Johnson. <laughs> that letter is embarrassing. You're right. We, we, a ridiculous Dan Gilbert letter. We've seen worse. That's why I, I would just, because of that. In why do you have to throw more. it in my face? <laughs> <laughs> what a disgusting human being. Um, okay, so... A six? Yeah, I, I think that's more fair. David, keep um, in mind, we do have a lot of organizations to cover. All right, I'll settle at a six. I think it should be a seven, but I'll settle at a six. We'll go six because it's only 20 of their 50 years that have been complete off-court embarrassment. Okay. All right. Now, the last one, and this is tough. Are your fans assholes? <laughs> and I really don't know how to answer this because there's part of me that sympathizes with Nick Fan. I think Nick fans are incredibly intelligent. I think Nick fans are incredibly passionate. I think Nick fans love the game. But here's the problem. At what point do you stop filling MSG? At what <laughs> point do you stop supporting this team? And the other thing, look, at what point do you understand where you are in the basketball universe? You know, like, what is what is your team, really? Like, where are you? Mm-hmm. You know, how much of your fan base sees the franchise for what they really are? This is where Nick Fan, I think, will struggle, is I don't think any great portion of them recognize that they are truly one of the worst franchises in sports. Not just the NBA, mm-hmm. not just the last two years. The Knicks, in totality, over a 72-year history with the geographical advantages they possess. The Knicks are one of the worst franchises in sports. This is where all of the Knicks fans' uh, intelligence and understanding of the game and care factor is then that equity is spent because I think there's still a level of delusion that they believe every free agent should go there. And it's like, well, yes, if you didn't ruin that advantage. Right. Look, I don't hate Knicks fan. I wish wish they'd stop attending games. I, I really wish they would stop filling that place. Uh, But in the end, what does that really matter? I would put the a-hole quotient for me at a four and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't think their fans are obnoxious. I think they're angry. I think they care. I think they're knowledgeable. See, I think a lot of fans are not knowledgeable. Nick fans know the game. Nick fans know basketball. I respect that. Mm. I would say four and a half is the highest I would go on this level. Only because I think there's still a level of delusion. Some still think, you know, it matters that Clyde Frazier played there. 
And also that, well, we're New York, we should get everybody. No, you've, you've lost that because your franchise is so shitty. Mm-hmm. I'd say four and a half. Okay. I, I can't, because I'm thinking of one incident alone, but I cannot make, a, make them a seven because of this one incident. What is it? But Spike Lee and Reggie Miller alone to me when it comes to the fans. He created as a well, fan. Well, that's just the as a face fan, of the fans, I guess. But as a fan, he created that incident. He created that comeback, that Reggie Miller comeback. Not Pacers comeback, that Reggie Miller comeback. But to be fair, it is just one incident. Here's so the I'll other go thing. Five. Let me let me frame it like this. To what level, to what level are the fans victims? In all of this. I, that's why I would go less. Okay, where half. do you want to be? I would put him at a three, maybe. I, and, and the reason is I sympathize, because you... It's a team that's been so bad, yet the franchise's value has only soared up. I mean, they're one of the most valuable franchises in sports. And if you're an actual Knicks fan, you can't even go to these games. It's all corporate money. MSG is all uh, you know, Wall Street money or corporate. You can't even get into these games with with how much it costs. So, I, I mean, hey, I sympathize with the fans. The fact they've been so mm. bad, yet... Financially, everything's great for the team. See, Sully's opening my eyes to something because for too long I felt Spike Lee was like the devil of fans. Like I hated him. I mm-hmm. hated just looking at him and and him yelling like, "God, sit down, make a good movie." I've had enough. <laughs> but maybe Sully's right in all of this. That look, there are Knicks fans who all they've wanted is a Knicks championship, and fifty years has gone by. You know how many people have died? Yeah. And the embarrassment. I, you know what? Mike has got me off the talking point. Go ahead, Roberto. Well, sounds like another team. It's been 50 so oh, don't, years. Oh, don't yeah. worry. For the people who don't reside in Detroit, yeah. don't worry. The Detroit Lions that's will be on this list. Dumb. But that's the thing. Though. You say, well, you said earlier, Mike, at what point do they stop filling Madison Square Garden? It doesn't matter it doesn't. If, if they choose not to go. They're going to sell that with corporate seats. And again, mm. the franchise's value is only going to continue to go up because of the Knicks. All right, so here's what we'll do. Mm. Feel bad. Those people still filling that place are culpable. Yes. People that are delusional are still culpable. Yes. And I have to admit it, even though I grew up upstate, I am a New Yorker, I, I'm, I can be a little brutish, I can be a little bit forward. That portion of the a-hole quotient is noted, uh, especially that New Yorkers and Midwesterners don't get along. David, <laughs> I, I am going to, I'm going to meet everyone at a level that I think is acceptable. We're going to put them at a 3.5. I can't view Spike Lee as all their fans. If it were Spike Lee, and that's why I said to be fair, be I cannot. Yeah. So okay, all right. All right so the owner shithead <laughs> index is a ten for the Knicks. James Dolan, one of the worst in all sports. On field, uh, court, on ice, embarrassment. I have him at a seven under five hundred lifetime. Only two championships in seventy two years. It's been a long time since they've been relevant. The off field embarrassment quotient, we put him at a solid six. Uh, and the the fan asshole index, uh, I put a three and a half. I think they are victims here because they are passionate, they are knowledgeable, but they are also helpless. But there's enough of them that are delusional and still think, but it's New York, we should get everybody. I'll put it at a three and a half. Your total futility score in our initial part one, the debut of the worst franchises in sports, the New York Knicks. Come in at a total score of a 26.5. We will continue this series in the coming weeks and months. Thanks for listening. We'd really appreciate it, especially Roberto's kids. would really appreciate it if you'd go to Radio.com or iTunes, subscribe, listen, and then review it. Tell us you like it, you hate it, whatever you want. We'd really appreciate it if you'd do any and all of that above. And we'll see you next week.